Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day, they're taking a week. You have too many manual processes. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, 1. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. 1. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, and one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecast, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. Having all of your business's information in one place is a powerful thing because it allows you to make better decisions, which is why NetSuite's unprecedented offer to make this possible is something to take advantage of. Don't wait. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist, designed to give you consistently excellent performance, absolutely free, at netsuite.com strange. That's netsuite.com strange to get your own KPI checklist. NetSuite.com slash strange. Hey there, strangers. This is Maura, your intrepid and usually silent producer. Laura has lost her voice due to an illness, but we didn't want to leave you empty-handed this week. So we went back into our own archives and pulled out one of our favorite episodes for you. If you're new to Strangerdom, you might not have heard this one yet. And we may be biased, but we really do think it's a great one. So today, please enjoy your visit or revisit with the genius. We'll see you back in the main feed on December 26th with a very special and very festive new episode. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. This week, we'd like you to join us on a trip all the way back to Friday the 13th, September 2002. Imagine this. The number one song on the Billboard charts was Avril Lavigne's Complicated. MySpace was still a year away from launching. The number one movie in America was Barbershop. A classic if we do say so ourselves. And strangers, it would be another year before the camera phone really took off in the United States. The world of cryptid hunting would never be the same. Our point here, and yes, we do have one, is that this was a very long time ago. Sorry to break it to you. And according to the subject of today's story, a man named Jason Paget, who was 31 years old in 2002, he was living in a bit of a time capsule even then. Call it an extended adolescence, maybe, tied up in his teenage years, which took place in the late 1980s. According to the News Tribune, Jason spent his formative years in both Alaska and Washington State, and by the time he was a young adult, he'd settled into a life focused on, well, fun. Cars, girls, parties, you get the idea. 
Jason would describe himself to numerous news outlets as a workout fiend, and in terms of emotional depth as a mile wide and a millimeter deep. He also, by his own admission, had a very serious mullet. In case your memory fails you, um, that was not the on-trend aesthetic in 2002. In 2002, Jason was residing in Tacoma, Washington. In a book he'd later co-write, he described himself at the time as having plenty of friends and a hard-won physique. For some reason, he chose to show it off in what he described as his, quote, favorite outfit to go out in, tight jeans, no shirt, and a leather vest. If you are immediately struck by the, um, Chippendale's nature of that ensemble, not to worry. At the time that he wrote his memoir, Jason was also saddened by the sartorial choice. He also mentioned, uh, half shirts, but we don't really have time to get into that. In any case, as his hairstyle might have hinted, Jason Paget was also an adventurer. According to his own book, he spent his days working at his family's futon store and his nights chasing adrenaline. He loved everything from karate to scuba diving, and he'd gone skydiving and bungee jumping dozens of times. But one of his very favorite activities was karaoke. Jason liked to gather with his Tacoma friends at various spots around town, and on the night of September 13th, he headed out in his muscle car to meet up and sing some tunes. According to his memoir, he'd memorized at least 20 songs and could belt out taking care of business with the best of them. It should have been a regular night for Jason Paget, but if it had been, well, we wouldn't be talking about him, would we? According to the Today Show, Jason was leaving the karaoke club that night when he was surprised by an attack, a mugging. He told the host, I didn't see anything coming. I just heard more than felt this thud in the back of my head, and I saw a bright flash of light. The next thing I knew, I was on the ground. Per the Sunday Guardian, Jason put up a good fight, including what he described in his own memoir as a rather soul-destroying crotch-grab kind of move, but he was outnumbered. He ended up in the emergency room with a concussion and a bruised kidney. Apparently, per the Chicago Tribune, doctors weren't all that worried about Jason's head injuries. The kidney concerned them more, but they still let him return home that night. In fact, he drove himself. He was battered, but alive. He wouldn't find out for years that, according to the Daily Item, one of the karaoke club's bartenders had actually helped to arrange his attack. The employee noticed that Jason was carrying a lot of money and signaled the men who'd attacked him. It hadn't been his first bad experience at a bar, although to be fair, it hadn't been an old-fashioned bar fight either. He'd been in those. This time, he'd been jumped. Jason had just wanted to have a good time, but battered and bruised, he went to sleep, probably wishing that he'd chosen to stay home on that Friday the 13th. It would have been just another night in Jason Paget's life, albeit a very bad one, except for one strange thing. When Jason Paget awoke the next morning, 
he could see math in the air. Geometry specifically. Not that he thought of it that way as he blinked away the confusion of the early morning. Jason had never liked math. He didn't know the names for the shapes that he saw, not the advanced descriptions of them anyway, but he knew that he saw them. They were rising up out of everything. According to the News Tribune, Jason remembered, I watched the water go down the drain. Instead of going down smoothly, it looked like little tangent lines slowly spiraling down. Everything had a slightly pixelated look. As of that morning, he became interested in math, like the probability of the likelihood of his own attack. Jason wrote in his memoir that he could feel his feet vibrating that night and that he watched the muscle twitches flow across his own hands. A few weeks of this and he was so concerned that he scheduled an MRI. It came back all clear. And after that, Jason wrote that slowly, his mind began to, well, open. He wondered about things that he hadn't before. Shapes, numbers, possibilities, concepts he didn't have the words to explain. He could see how the angles of the world around him fit together, like everything was a perfectly jointed puzzle. But Jason Padgett's new vision came with new problems, too. Per the Daily Item, he struggled with severe OCD, something he had not experienced or been diagnosed with prior to the attack, and also a new extreme social anxiety. That was certainly a change for the extrovert who'd loved muscle cars and building his own muscles. Actually, he'd lost interest in those things too. Jason was also worried that he was losing touch with reality. It wasn't until he saw a TV program featuring Daniel Tammet, a famous English essayist and memory champion, that Jason finally gained some insight. You see, Daniel Tammet writes about all kinds of things, like his autism, his love of literature, his own poetry. But it was the discussion of his autobiography, Born on a Blue Day, that changed everything for Jason Paget. According to the News Tribune, Daniel's appearance on the program that day described his experience with synesthesia, that is, the state of experiencing one sense through another. Per the American Psychological Association, the condition can vary widely. Some of the more common forms have to do with relating colors to sounds, numbers, or words, like Daniel Tammet's Born on a Blue Day. Quote, Some synesthetes hear, smell, taste, or feel pain in color. Others taste shapes, and still others perceive written digits, letters, and words in color. Some, who possess what researchers call conceptual synesthesia, see abstract concepts such as units of time or mathematical operations." End quote. The APA's website explains that synesthesia is usually an internal experience happening in the mind's eye. It is very rare for it to occur outside in the real world, as it did for Jason Paget, And, apparently, it can be exhausting. Scientists still haven't fully explored synesthesia, but there's a theory that synesthetes' brains are, quote, equipped with more connections between neurons, causing the usual modularity to break down. So, for Jason Paget, 
blows to the head and a concussion had done something. Something to trigger a breakdown that gave rise to an entirely new world. For Jason, it was a revelation and a relief. According to his own recollection, now that Daniel Tammet had appeared on the television and articulated Jason's own precise experience, he suddenly understood that he'd gained something. He didn't understand what precisely, but it was a first step. And that wasn't all. There was something else, too. Daniel Tammet had also introduced Jason to a French word, savant. Though it has picked up a negative connotation in English, due to some insulting applications by the medical and psychological fields, shocking we know, the actual definition of the word is a highly intelligent or learned person. Daniel Tammet self-identifies as having savant syndrome. This was important information for Jason because, according to the reporter, he would eventually be diagnosed with a related condition, acquired savant syndrome. But that wouldn't come until later, when the world at large had heard of him. Unless you think this diagnosis is fluffy or vague, it's actually rare to get on a clinical level. Live Science spoke to Dr. Britt Brogard, a professor who would eventually scan Jason Paget's brain. Dr. Brogard explained, Acquired Savant syndrome is very rare, adding that only 15 to 25 cases have ever been described in medical studies. Now, other articles we found reported as many as 100 cases, but all highlighted that Jason's particular combination of synesthesia and newfound mathematical and artistic ability was practically singular. And listeners, it will probably not shock you to hear that this is not the usual response to a concussion. The Irish Times printed the opinion of clinical neuropsychologist Dr. Simone Carton, who explained, Aspects of his presentation are very unusual. For the vast majority of people who sustain a brain injury, for example, following a stroke, a tumor, or a traumatic event, including assault similar to Paget's, their priority is to walk and talk again and return to life as it was prior to their injury. Hey there, strangers. I want to tell you about a podcast that I think you'll like. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from two totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy is a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of a haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation 
on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. Really, this is the perfect podcast for fans of One Strange Thing. All the paranormal activity that you love and the great research that you've come to rely on. So, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for creepy stories? Then we might have a podcast for you. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Rattled and Shook is a weekly podcast that features new scary stories every episode, kind of like this. I would hear her say things to me inside my head. I couldn't get around him. I was trapped. The other guy started to get pretty agitated. He grabbed my grandfather's oxygen hose and he cut off his oxygen. Then I started thinking, well, you know, who would be hanging around in this nowhere forest, in this nowhere area? And that's when I started looking more closely. And that's when I noticed there were several shapes. And they were slowly working their way toward me as they were moving from tree to tree. New episodes of Rattled and Shook are out every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm sure you've heard the old adage that you should learn something new every day. It's good advice, but with so much to do, are you making time to learn and stay curious about our world? Well, with Everything Everywhere Daily, you can easily make that goal a reality. Everything Everywhere Daily is one of the world's most popular daily education podcasts. In about 10 minutes, you can learn something new every day. The show covers history, science, geography, mathematics, and technology, as well as biographies from some of the world's most interesting people. One listener says the show truly makes my day more enjoyable and entertaining. Fans of the show are so passionate, they even work to join the Completionist Club, the group of dedicated listeners who've listened to all 900-plus and counting episodes. I highly recommend you check out Everything Everywhere Daily's recent episodes on Why Are There No Flying Cars? and The Little Ice Age That Happened 700 Years Ago. Learn something new every single day with Everything Everywhere Daily. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jason Paget? He was just relieved that Daniel Tammet had given him a sign that his new ability wasn't a hallucination. He suddenly felt more at home with his new visual world, which showed him, as the daily item described, quote, Raindrops spreading out on the surface of a puddle as geometric shapes. Soon after that came Jason's second epiphany, pie. No, not the delicious pastry, but the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter. He spent an entire year devoted to working out visual representations of the infinite irrational number. He wrote, My fascination with pie began in 2005. On a rare foray outside, I noticed the light bouncing off a car window in the form of an arc, and the concept came to life. I was literally fist-pumping and saying, oh my god, this is amazing, over and over that day when I first understood that what I was seeing was a representation of pie. 
It clicked for me because the circle I saw was subdivided by the light rays, and I realized each ray was really a representation of the radius dividing the circle into pieces. According to his memoir, what he'd experienced was, apparently, similar to the way that the Greek mathematician Archimedes calculated pi. It's pretty involved, but let's just say there are a lot of polygons. And that's precisely what Jason Paget had seen. Of course, he didn't know that. He'd never heard of Archimedes. He wouldn't make the connection until he began doing his own research. He told the reporter, For me, pi was a shape that you could represent with a number, but I didn't know how to calculate it at the time. All I knew was how to draw it. Jason was soon obsessed with pi. Perhaps it was, as he told Life Science, because he'd developed a distaste for the concept of infinity. After all, his new skill set showed him patterns and definitions, the finite in just about everything. Per his own memoir, he used the internet to research why pi was so confounding. Jason wrote, Part of the trouble is that no one has a way to accurately measure the circumference or area of a perfect circle. Instead, mathematicians have to approximate. He stayed up late at night, not writing out formulas, but drawing incredibly complex patterns, like an architect of refraction. These were his experiments. He was so focused on them that, as Fox KTVI reported, he paid little attention to other things like his apartment in the attic level of the building, which he rarely left. Part of the roof had fallen in, and he didn't notice when the pigeons, literally, came to roost. Jason might have continued on like that forever, researching Pi, studying shapes in the world that only his eyes could see. But as luck or fate or strangeness would have it, he got hungry. In 2006, specifically, per KTVI, he made a rare trip to a local fast food sandwich shop and sat down with a roast beef sub. As he ate, he drew. And for the first time, but not the last, someone noticed. It happened to be the customer seated beside him, a physics professor. According to the Today Show, Jason remembered, he said, hey, I'm a physicist. He goes, what are you working on there? It looks like you're trying to talk about space-time and the discrete structure of the universe. He goes, but I've never seen anybody doing it in layman's terms before. Have you ever thought about taking a math class? Jason also told the Today Show, I mean, I knew there was something amazing happening, but at first I remember thinking, you know, I'm seeing what I perceive to be math everywhere. But then I thought, you know, I see somebody that's talking to themselves and they don't know they're crazy. What if I think I'm seeing math everywhere, but then I would draw it and it would make sense. And so then I started making up my own symbols to describe it. And it turns out when I went back to school, I had the symbols that represented the same things. I just made up different symbols than what traditional math does. And so Jason, who wrote in his memoir that he'd repeated his senior year of high school, decided to take a math class. In fact, he took several at Tacoma Community College. Per the News Tribune, at least one instructor found Jason to be a fascinating student. The News Tribune spoke with Professor Tracy Haney, 
who taught Jason's first college math course, developmental math. Everything I taught him he got right away. He was seeing things differently. I remember he was interested in fractals and how they work. She told reporters that they didn't proceed into higher-level math, they were covering the basics that Jason had missed out on, but that Jason was, quote, unlike any other person that she had ever met. She referred him to a physics professor to discuss some of his ideas, the ones he was able to express in drawings and in discussions, but didn't always have the precise language to describe. And one mainstay interest, something that he wanted to talk about with all his professors, was, of course, his beloved pie. Jason didn't finish college, but that hadn't really been his plan. He just wanted to take more math classes to help him understand the concepts that he saw in the world. Along the way, he married a fellow classmate and kept up his independent studies of the world of math that had, literally, sprung up around him. According to his own memoir, Jason eventually began posting videos online of his artistic representations of math concepts and discussions of his theories. And strangers, that's where things got interesting again. He was discovered by a Psychology Today blogger named Maureen Seabrook. Maureen, also a Cenecite, was fascinated by Jason. She would become the co-author of his memoir and his introduction to the world. That meant talk shows, important people, and of course, learned scholars who were interested in studying Jason Paget. It wouldn't be long before Jason Paget was a bit of a star. Suddenly, all those scientists that we mentioned earlier, they were scanning his brain and giving him tests and inviting him to institutes to speak and diagnosing him with acquired savant syndrome and verifying that he was indeed a cynocyte. In fact, a number of people were declaring Jason a math genius, a kind of wizard. Soon enough, he'd be recording his thoughts for the world to read, and he got that second MRI along the way, and this time, doctors were studying him, not looking for damage. And they made some interesting discoveries. Per the News Tribune, quote, an MRI showed that his parietal lobe a part of the brain that cannot normally be accessed by the conscious mind lit up when Paget was shown mathematical formulas that gave rise to fractal imagery, but not when shown nonsense formulas. And another interesting thing that researchers found, it was his left brain that became active when he interacted with the real formulas. They postulated that the concussion that had caused Jason's brain injury might have primarily affected the right hemisphere, quote, causing the other side to overcompensate. Even with his strange gift, there are some people who think that Jason Paget shouldn't qualify as a genius, as in they quibble with the term. Most of the criticism came about after he released his book, Struck by Genius, in 2014. The general critique was that, while Jason's drawings are unarguably complex and he has a knack for geometry, his actual formulas were those that someone in advanced high school math might create. A book review published in the Chicago Tribune summarized that criticism rather, uh, scathingly. Quote, Paget's academic career is underwhelming. He completed a few semesters of community college, where instructors took a kind interest in his drawings and his attempts to calculate pi in different ways. 
does it really take an innate mathematical genius to think about pi and spend a lot of time at a desk with a pencil and a ruler? The issue seemed to be, the shapes that Jason Paget drew were amazing, and he could certainly see the world in a new and complex way. But without the high-level math skills of, say, a professor, was he a mathematical whiz? He could create a circle using only right angles, but there was no goodwill hunting scene. Why wasn't Jason Paget scrawling answers to unsolvable problems across a board where no one else had been able to solve them? There was no question that something in his brain had been unlocked. The scans had proved that. But should that qualify him as an actual genius? Technically, he hadn't actually produced the answer to anything. After all, by his own admission to the News Tribune, he needed a calculator to do any kind of complex equation, just like the rest of us would. But that is the thing. Jason Paget was suddenly moving in the world of shapes. Geometry, related obviously, but not contained to something so simple as 3.14, etc., etc. He never offered himself up as a human math computation machine. Is that the only skill we can recognize as genius? Maybe we've just forgotten how creative math can be. How, dare we say it, fun? After all, Jason Paget told the News Tribune that he wouldn't go back in time to get his muscle car and his muscles back, to trade in his new anxiety and his distinct lack of extroversion if he'd have to give up what he has now. He told reporters, It's so good, I can't even describe it. Really, how do we, the big we, all of us, Measure genius. Is it the ability to complete a task with more skill and alacrity than the rest of the population? Is it something that can be measured on scale, with tests scored and transmitted to the world, a society to be joined? Or is it something more intangible, a vision that touches a special few and allows them to see, feel, sense more than the rest of us? Something we can't reach, but only admire. Or maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. Perhaps genius shouldn't be seen as a lofty height that few can reach, but rather a state of more. A turning on of the lights inside of all of us. A potential waiting to happen. Maybe it takes an extreme for us to access a lightning strike, a blow. But maybe not. Maybe we get to experience flashes of that genius, like sighting a comet in the night sky, and the trick is just practice, catching its tail and hanging on tight. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers, from the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and Strangers. One Strange Thing is an entirely independent production. To support the show and hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There you'll get ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, blogs, and monthly live streams. 
all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in our show notes. Thank you.